and welcome to the Caledonian Kings Wrestling Podcast. This is WCW Greed 2001. Take two, Stuart. <laughs> oh, it's the deja vu. I've done this before. Yeah, I put it up on, on, on Twitter. We had some issues with the audio, so we're redoing it. Um... And I cannot wait to talk about this show because it was so good the first time we had to do it twice, didn't we? <laughs> I yeah. thought it was a should have watched that again, uh, but I couldn't put myself through it. No, I, I could not put myself Maybe the first match, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, March 18th, 2001, from the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum in Jacksonville, Florida, of course. Um, 5,030 in attendance with 3,551 paid. Um, that's about 40,000 pay-per-view buys worldwide. Pretty poor TNA country. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is obviously the last legs of WCW, and you can you can really really tell. Yeah, live gate of one hundred seventeen thousand nine hundred thirty dollars, which is not bad, coming at an average of about thirty three dollars per ticket for those who paid. Um, WCW has a bit of a rebrand at this point, so they've got a new logo, new set. Um, they had Sin, which was a pay per view that I believe in January and Greed here, so they were sort of rebranding a little bit. Um, Nitro ratings were about 2.1, uh, Thunder was about 1.8, whereas Raw were doing about 4.5 to up to almost 5 million, um, whereas SmackDown were doing anywhere between 3.9 and 4.5. So evidently WCW deep in the slide and the Fed were flying as high as they ever have been really up until this point. Uh, they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> um, this was actually eight days before the final Nitro. Um, Vince McMahon, of course, buying out. If you've seen anything about you know the WCW invasion, etc., you'll know all about this. I don't need to go through it in too much detail. Um, he bought it for around $2 million, which is a bargain. They had no TV rights at the time because Turner slash AOL, Team Warner, whatever you want to call them, they they cut ties with WCW in terms of the TV deal. This is why Eric Bischoff and his consortium didn't buy over. Um, would you have been interested to see how that would have worked out, Stuart, or do you think he went down the same road? I think looking at the current talent on the roster, I'm, I'm pretty happy that it died. Yeah. You know, it's not even, I don't think there's even kind of, I think it's like when you, when, you, when you look at TNA, sorry to cut you off, when you look at, you look at TNA nowadays and you think yeah. there should have been a cut-off point for them. Yes, exactly that. They wouldn't even get onto the lower mid-card of WWF, uh, WWF program at the time, WWE now, if you're compared to, to TNA. So, yeah. obviously, guys like, um, obviously, the Goldbergs and Ashes and et cetera, et cetera, that will kind of set out their contract. I'm sure you've got a list from me somewhere. I've been one that's sitting at home at some point. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of them who... So when WWE bought them over, they bought over certain contracts. Um, obviously, they bought over the, the rights to the pay-per-views and stuff. That's why we get to watch it on the WWE Network show. Like, like, <laughs> uh, I mean, you have two, two million, they've basically bought the library. I mean, fuck the contracts, yeah. fuck the talent. Like, you've bought the video library, which is a fair play, Vince. Oh, it's, it's, it was the most valuable part. You know, I think, you know, when you talk about even the old territory stuff nowadays, um, certain old-time bookers and owners, etc., their wives hold the, the content to that and they refuse to sell it because it's worth an absolute fortune. I think, um, I believe Cornette cashed in on his a couple of years ago despite how much he Smoky says Mountain. that he hates Vince and Triple H and stuff like that. But uh, you, you'll take the money though, Jimmy Boy, won't you? I mean, if it's not good to you, you know, Quite, quite right, but, what, what but it's, it's value in somebody's eyes, you know. What can um, he possibly do with old video content for Smoky Mountain? Yeah, exactly. So, um, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Scott Steiner, Ric Flair, Rey Mysterio and Goldberg, I believe, were the big names who sat out their contracts with AOL Time Warner. Um, they refused to take the pay, the pay cut and go to the WWE or WBF earlier. Um, DDP and Booker T, however, they did take the pay cuts and they went to the WWE and were part of the invasion angle. Um, what took okay for Booker T, DDP, not so much. Um, shame. Shame, absolute shame. I think it was his um, age. I think it was his age that maybe done it for him. 
Uh, yeah, well, he was a late bloomer, if you like. <laughs> well, he only started wrestling when it was like maybe th- it's between 33 and 35 kind of years old. That's when he started. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're pretty much done, not done by that point, but the time you get going, you're, ah, you're, I mean, you're, 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 your peak years are already behind you, really, aren't they? Um, You've only got so we, many bumps. Definitely. Um, so, we get an opening promo package of DDP stating, look quite like Elton John, he's still standing. Oh, yes. Um, Steiner beating Booker T for the title a few months prior. Um, Goldberg uh, sh- having shoulder surgery at this time. Um, Sting had been taken out in November. Uh, I think Nash had been retired um, in storyline, that is. Um, and so basically all the other baby faces are out at this point. So your top baby face left is DDP. So mm-hmm. right, rightfully so, um, you know, he, he takes his place in the main event scene here. It was a simple feud. It was refreshing for WCW. You know, there was no NWO garbage going on. Um, yeah. They were close. But <laughs> um, what did you make of the actual package that opened up the show? Yeah, I mean, kind of standard WCW, isn't it? doesn't yeah. feel that it's never anywhere near the production value WWF or E, whatever you want to call it at that time. Mm. Um, uh, it's, it's fine. It's, it was better than that uncensored um, <laughs> graffiti fucking art anyway. Let's put it that way. So... It's different, you know, when you you see products nowadays, and they basically they they, they highlight the whole show at the start. You know, they highlight all the matches that are going to be mm-hmm, happening and stuff. Mm-hmm. So just to focus it on one feud, it's a very you know nineties into two thousand thing, isn't it? Yes, it's very yeah yeah it's pretty, yeah. If you consider the WWF, they're selling pay per views on Stone Cold. Yeah, and they're trying to do that the same with DDP, um, which is fair enough. He probably uh, maybe out with Booker D's probably is the biggest star on the roster. He's obviously he always, they always wanted that feud between the kind of people's champion of WCW and WWF, DDP and The Rock. Um, that was always sort of the the dream match if you will at the time of the invasion. Um, never really understood why DDP was a people's champion because obviously obviously Steiner thinks he's a bit of white trash, so maybe that's what it is. He's a blue collar. Yeah. He's a blue collar <laughs> worker. So. So we're introduced to the show by a simple two-man commentary team of Tony Schiavone and Scott Hudson. Um, Schiavone, of course, the voice of WCW, um, and, and it was there pretty much from the start of Nitro especially, right through until the end. And Scott Hudson, a man I didn't know very much about, but after watching this show, I didn't mind him, sure he was alright. Uh, yeah, fine. Uh, if I don't notice commentators, it means I'm not doing a bad job. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. It doesn't distract um, from the from the, the in-ring action. They're just there to kind of... A, Float along the story, float the boat along the river, uh, and they've done that pretty well. So from our previous episode, we had a fantastic opening contest. It was Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko, and this one holds up there as well. It's Kiwi versus Jason Jett. Um, no, that's not two rejected Avengers names. Um, these are actually two stars that came through WCW. Kiwi, uh, also known as Alan Funk, he was trained at the Pillar Plant. And Jason Jett, he was also known as Easy Money for any ECW fans. Um, and as far as I could see, he was still wrestling as of 2015. I couldn't really find anything else of note of these two. But um, yeah, open us out. Understandable. Uh, yeah, Queeby <laughs> um, comes out. Some rave music on the go. Um, we're we're just out of the nineties, but not too far away. Um, what do you make of these hairstyles? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I messaged us immediately. Right? Obviously, we are kind of we're not different generation, but there is a bit of an age gap. So, do you ever remember watching Rugrats when you were younger? Yeah, yes, like Captain Rugrats. Yeah, right. So, um, <laughs> see uh, the the doll. The Angelica used to carry about what was called Cynthia, the wee doll, you know. Oh, it's got like it's got sort of like three clumps of hair, isn't it? Like, it, it looks exactly like her. Ah, uh, that's brilliant. <laughs> it popped me, it popped me off. That's, that's, that's fucking brilliant. Um, um, see these two cunts, right? 
<laughs> I was thinking to myself, right, you know how in recent years in WWE, like there's some matches that you you get to see on the pre-show that you think to yourself, fuck me, that should be on the main show. Like it's that, uh-huh. you know, I mean the kind of there's big names, what they're doing on the pre-show. Uh, this is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> what, right, what are these cunts doing on the main show? Like, fuck me. Talk about default SmackDown versus Raw 2008 creator wrestlers here, like holy yeah. shit. If I was creating like a mock WWE game, yeah, or a mock wrestling video yeah. game, these are two of the characters I would have in it. Absolutely, you know, like just the guy with the, the wicked hair and the bright pants, and then you know your your, your bog standard average wrestler who Jason Jett was. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, with generic music to match. <laughs> WCW generic music. Yes. Um, so we get a first Pearl Harbor of the evening. Queen jumps the gun, taking Jet, knocking him on the outside. Um, Dub C Dub, um, all mm. over. <laughs> mm. yeah. um, Jet dies from the top to the outside before he eventually botches running the ropes. I mean, for fuck's sake, pal, you can hit the high spots, but you can't run the ropes. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was really awkward, wasn't it? Like it was weird looking. Mm. You know, it was like he just got his feet all mixed up, and uh, I don't know if it was nerves, but maybe um, <laughs> the, the, the nerves of performing on the opening match of WWE Green 2001. I mean, that, this is the big time. <laughs> the world is watching. All five thousand of them are watching. Fuck me. <laughs> Um, Queenie pulls Jet to the outside and then attempts a tope suicida but misses by a country mile. He fell short here, didn't he? <laughs> was, there was daylight there. There was daylight between them. Mm-hmm. We get a gorgeous spot. Queenie attempts to sort of do a backdrop against the ropes from, on, the, on the outside and Jet sort of reverses it. Yeah, so, 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 really nice. You can split this match into two halves. <laughs> so what you've just described there was shit. It now gets interesting. Like, yeah. It actually so, a really good match. They get the shit out of the way early and they start to develop and have a very good match, mm-hmm. as you say there. Um, Jet has a, a sort of slingshot clothesline, similarly what Adam Page does nowadays with the buckshot lariat. That's right. Um, and follows it with standing moonsault for a two count. We see the, the heel side now of Queeway Stewart, the, the sadistic, <laughs> vicious side. He's got it in abundance. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he drops Jet to the outside, chokes him with an electrical cable, berates him with punches, throws him into the guardrail. Oh, he's a vicious bastard. He's a, <laughs> although I did like, um, so Jason Jet, I'm going to call him Double J, just because why not? Uh, he gets absolutely lo- he gets launched over the turnbuckle. He doesn't just get like ejected over the top ropes. He gets fucking launched yeah. uh, over the turnbuckle. I was like, holy shit. You don't see a lot of that. No, it's, it's just, and you know what? It's just, you're taking what is a normal backdrop from the middle yeah. of the ring. Yeah. And you're moving it into the corner. Mm-hmm. And it's simple, but it looks, it looks great. It makes you, you know, notice. Um, yeah. He then attempts to superplex Jason Jet off the top. He manages to counter it and looks for a top rope power bomb, which then gets countered in a super hurricane manner. But my God, Queen Wee nearly lands on his fucking neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was scary, a high risk spot. It worked well, though. You know, it was okay. It, it, it had the effect that it needed um, once they landed it. Um, he then attempts a pile driver, but the babyface Jet lobos him right in front of the referee's eye line. Fucking DQ him, no? Oh, the, um, referee, the referee ignored that one, didn't he? Like, how did he uh, miss that? This is also what I'm starting to counter here, the first low blow of the night. Um, Jet then hits a springboard elbow and attempts the crash landing, which Kiwi gets out of. It's a hard name to say a few times, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we then get a few pin exchanges and sunset flips, etc., before we get a nice northern lights by Kiwi for two. He then goes to the outside. Jet tells the crowd to be quiet. He does the lay down, play possum. Um, Queeby misses an elbow from the top, and he hits. Um, Jet hits the crash landing for the finish. It's like kind of like Pete Dunne's X-Plex, where he sort of just pops him out. Yeah, from the like, a, position. yeah like a launch suplex. It was nice. Yeah, nice. three count. Um, Jason Jet takes the win. 12, 12 minutes and seventeen seconds. I thought this was a good opener. Yeah, was... uh, I'll say not. A, it wasn't a. It wasn't a bad match. Uh, crowd were into it. I noted that. Uh, 
that maybe halfway through the match, Queen Wee actually started to get some heat, and I was like, holy fuck, crowd are actually quite into this. Yeah. You, you know what it's like when you, when a crowd reacts to something, it kind of it per- it, it, it perks your interest a bit more because if you're just kind of blindly watching a wrestling match, if there's no kind of crowd interaction, you, just, you don't care, you're away doing other things, you're on your phone, you're reading whatever you're doing, but as soon as the crowd get in it, it kind of get in a wee bit more. Um, the commentators put it over really, really well. Obviously, um, they've apparently had a good match on the Thunder beforehand, so that's earned them a spot on the pay-per-view, which I think is good, it's good kind of kayfabe, isn't it? You even press this on TV, so here is a pay-per-view payday. Um, good chemistry. I, I, I highly doubt we're looking at the next kind of Austin Rock feud here, though. Um, no. You know, matches like this have their, their place. Um, you know, I think, you, I said, so, solid enough. You, you've got two lower card enhancement guys, as you said there, they've been given an opportunity. And for the most part, they delivered. I think, you know, a few nitpicks here and there, especially early on in the match. But, and it seemed a nothing match in terms of storyline. But you mm. could tell who the baby face was. You could tell who the heel was. The crowd seemed to enjoy it enough. Um, yeah, I thought they were quite forgiven about it. And they seemed taught at times. So, I, why not put it on there, you know? And, and, and in the end, they won me over. Yeah, it was probably the best wrestling match on this fucking pay-per-view. <laughs> You're not kidding. I believe that um, is all downhill from here. We've peaked at Queewee versus Jason Jett. <laughs> so we're then showing highlights of the Cruiserweight Tag Team Championship Tournament. Um, this draws our attention to the two tag teams that are up next. And a few names that were in the tournament that are worth noting was the future Jimmy Wang Yang, Shannon Moore, um, and a young AJ Styles was part of this tournament as well. Yes, I think he was. was. Known as Air Styles. Um, fantastic to see a young AJ Styles, even if it's just an highlight package, you know, it was like, oh, I know him. I don't um, ever remember AJ Styles having, like, a bad, boring match. Like, obviously, he is, like, this is kind of rookie territory for Styles here. This is obviously 2001. Yeah. Even, I, I, I remember watching, even just a wee bit of stuff, he just, he never put a foot wrong. He was, he was always smooth as butter. He's just something that kind of got wrestling from the from the get-go. And it's just very, 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 very rare especially someone of that kind of uh, aerial repertoire of moves that Styles has. Yeah. Uh, very unique talent. And as you say, I'd, I'd like to have seen these very, very beginning stuff because if there was ever a bad match that you had, I've never seen it. Um, so we see the two championship titles as well, which, well, A, they look a bit too big for Cruiserweight belts, and B, they look fucking horrendous anyway. Yeah, so the inaugural uh, Cruiserweight tag tag team championships here um, <laughs> won for the first time tonight and then <laughs> would we get another two matches of this division before it gets bought out and benched yeah. forever <laughs> I think it's literally gone eight days later oh, or something pres- like that um, yeah <laughs> so um, the two teams we're going to see here so we see prime time elite skipper um, he would spend six years as part of, a T- of TNA's roster um, what's his claim to fame Stuart? It's the so he's so all throughout his career, he's he, he stick is that he's got great balance. That's that's all he does. Any moves that he does require him to have balance, like it's uh, Undertaker's old school off the top rope. But his famous spot is the the cage walk from TNA's lockdown two thousand seven, where he's um, so TNA have obviously got the thin cage walls, so there's mm-hmm. no room for moving at all. Scales it, no bother. Fucking runs halfway across a side and Hurricane Ran as a boy for the top of it. Brilliant spot. Brilliant. Brilliant spot. Really well done. You can tell uh, I don't uh, want to talk about this match, can't you? No, <laughs> we're just going to TNA. We're just like, <laughs> it's a TNA alumni. Um, and then his partner in this match is Kid Romeo, who is in no way a fucking cruiserweight. Fucking size him. <laughs> no chance he's a cruiserweight. I ain't buying this shit. Don't know if you've tried it recently as well. <laughs> Buddy Murphy will beat it. <laughs> oh, that's, ex- that's exactly what it's like, isn't it? There's no way he is a fucking lightweight. 
No way. Um, this guy was a legitimate male stripper. Uh, <laughs> you, you can tell, can you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> he retired in 2008. He was in wrestling pretty well. Um, he wasn't bad, but... <sighs> Nah, pretty bland. Um, and they face off with the... Sorry. Sorry, it's just, I'm just kind of kid Ro- Romeo, you know what I mean? Like, for someone that's got the name Romeo, he's, he's an ugly bastard as well. Yeah. There was no... Did they not try this sort of thing with... Was it the heartthrobs in the wee at one the, point? The... Maybe in like 2003, <laughs> yeah. 2004. Yeah. That, that is, it's the same gimmick. It's the same gimmick. Ah, you're just coming out dancing with abs, like... <laughs> with the fat bombers um, and full show. Oh, I, uh, so they're facing off with the filthy animals. Billy Kidman, I think it's his first match on our podcast. Very, very happy to see him. And Rey Mysterio, who I'm sure, sure, is really not happy to see. You know, I don't like WWE, Rey Mysterio. Okay. WCW, Mysterio, always a fan of. High work rate. Oh, I think saying fans a bit of a, a bit of a stretch, but you know he didn't talk back then at all. So didn't I, mind him. <laughs> didn't mind him. Didn't mind him. Uh, he wrestles without his mask here. Does, um, what do you reckon of Ray without the mask? Uh, stupid, because you're not selling money. You're not selling merch. You're not making money off his masks. So why the fuck totally. would you want to unmask him? Oh, Nash, you've done it again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we touch on Kidman here. He was um, he went to WWE obviously after the invasion and stuff like that. I went through that angle there. He was good as a cruiserweight. You know, was in a cruiserweight division pretty much all his time there. Um, released in two thousand and five. He would work a few years in the Indies, and then he's became a producer for the company. I think it was in two thousand and nine, and he still holds that position to this day. So, um, I, I believe some of the matches you see nowadays could be down to him. I think he's got a lot to offer. Um, he's one of those people that. I find that weird, sorry, just as you mentioned, can I as he came in, he was always more popular than kind of Rey Mysterio, I always felt that, when he first came in, he was also uh-huh. the, the guy that the fans gravitated towards, and uh, definitely in the invasion angle, even being on the heel WCW side, he was always cheered, doesn't matter who he was wrestling, he was always cheered, which I Is like. it because he, because he looks like an anybody? You know, he looks like you could have pulled him off the street. Looks like, he, like he, fans he, relate yeah, to him. he looks like a fucking bum, doesn't he? We should <laughs> seen our shorts and fucking trucker's vest <laughs> um, so Romeo and Kidman start the match and we get a flying head, 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 head. easy for you <laughs> easy for you to say sorry this match fostered me that much it was so great um, we get a flying head scissors from Kidman early on Romeo returns with an alley-oop bomb before tagging in Skipper and delivering a nice tandem wheelbarrow splash for a two um, we then battle all four men up the ramp and we see I think it was Skipper gets hip tossed onto Romeo or, or just off the ramp, and then the filthy animals dive onto both guys, laying them out. Yeah, which is a nice wee spot and sort of takes you away from the ring yeah. for a second, yeah. doesn't it? It's, mm-hmm. It was nice. Uh, back in the ring, Kidman and Mysterio stay in charge and hit a double sidewalk slam sort of thing. Um, Kidman then hits the ropes and Romeo hits him on the back, which distracts him and allows the heels to take over. And we really get them to slow the pace down a wee bit, especially Romeo, who looks already half knackered. Um, we see some choke holes, we get the Orton special chin lock. Um, yeah, nothing happened very, very slowly. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a shame because, you know, we, we think about the, the cruiserweights, and especially, you know, if you watch back anything Bischoff ever told you about how he pioneered the cruiserweight mm-hmm. division and how exciting it all was, and you watch guys locking chin locks in, and you think, what the fuck? There's four of you out there, come on. Um, it contradicts what the division's all about. Yeah. I was what I was. I'll cut that spit out. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So as we say, we get point of heel antics here. Uh Kibben delivers a sit out power bomb to get out of the, the sort of the holds. Um 
and we get Mysterio coming in. He hits a high cross body, Tornado DDT on Romeo, and then he forces Skipper to spear the ring post. All, all very quick succession there. Um, we then get everybody diving to the outside, which is finalised with a shooting star from Kidman taking everybody out. Um, when he hits it properly, it's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> like, he always, like, he doesn't float in there like kind of modern shooting stars. Like, remember from um, Stephen Brock done it at Maynard? He was in the air for an eternity. Like oh, he, he, he? he seems to like he just crashes down onto people. He's like plummets. Um, he's like even RVD has his frog splash. Like he fucking nails them. It's yeah. like with the shooting star. He just seems he's the only reason he's in there is to flip. You know, can just crash on top of people. I think it looks good. Yeah, it's not. I know it's not quite as graceful, but it still looks impactful. Yeah. Um, all four men exchange big suplexes and near falls before the filthy animals hit a power bomb splash combo, which was nice. Um, we also get a Bronco Buster from Rey Mysterio. I don't think he's using the six one nine here, is he? He is not. He uses the fake out. So if he's been whipped towards the ropes, he'll do the six one nine. But it's not an offensive move. It's just to get uh, kind of in and out of the ring. Um, ah, right, yeah. okay. So that's something that really came in for when he went to the WWE. It's a WWE thing, yeah. Very good. Um, Ray then sent on Romeo as Kidman and Skipper they tumble to the outside. Ray then attempts a springboard moonsault. Kid Romeo catches him sweetly and hits his last kiss finisher, which is like a scoop slam yeah, tail like a, driver. Yeah, like a brainbuster kind of thing. Yeah, really nice. Um, and he gets a three count. And your inaugural WCW Cruiserweight Tag mm. Team Champions, Kid Romeo and Primetime Elite Skipper, those two future Hall of Famers. Uh, 13 minutes, 46 seconds. Uh, both men immediately start dancing, no selling the, the almost 14-minute match that they've just been through. Um, I've had a decent match, solid ring work, a lot going on. Um, admittedly, the two guys, one weren't the stars or like the other two were. Um, but in terms of you know putting them on a pedestal at the time, obviously, they, they didn't really know they were going into business. You know, so By the same token, I think they were trying to put these two guys over a wee bit, yeah. um, knowing that Filthy Animals would still always be looked at very well in the eyes of the fans. Uh, yeah, can't, can't really disagree with that. I thought, I mean... It was not wasn't bad. Uh, a bit sloppy in parts. Kind of done without the 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 rest spots. It really kind of killed it. Uh, crowd were booing it at some at some point, shouting boring during it. Um, Romeo, right? You know how the bell is, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I know what you're thinking here. You know, like the day their entrance, they kind of turn around with the arse, kind of like you know they, they kind of shake the arse. <laughs> Do we hula hoop? Do we hula hoop? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm sitting down. Ah, uh, so kid, kid Rumo does that. <laughs> oh, it's so it's identical. Now, what do you think they got it for? I mean, come on. I've also been studying tapes. The inspirational kid Romeo has influenced Daniel Two Bryan's wife. Hall of Famers. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're they're in the next class of the Hall of Fame. Uh, so thanks to kid Romeo. Uh, I mean, I mean I can't really argue. This is groundbreaking. Uh, no, you can't. He's also absolutely fucking gassed. Like. Ridiculous. Look at the size of him. Do some cardio, mate. You lazy bastard. Yeah. Um, so next up, we get our boy, Buff Bagwell. <laughs> um, Buff the star. He's backstage with a camcorder. Um, he enters a room with Ric Flair. So he's basically got this guy following him around. Um, he's paid to follow him around. Yeah, so the, um, the magnific- do a documentary yeah, the style magna- thing. The Magnificent Seven are producing a documentary. It's, it's been yeah. happening. Um, I'm going to no-sell it because I hated it. Um, okay. Yeah, you can talk about this. Yeah, so Ric Flair's um, wearing his uh, Hawaiian shirt, um, lovely attire. Uh, Road Warrior Animal's there in a t-shirt and jeans. And Jeff Jarrett's there. Uh, I can't remember what he was wearing. But <laughs> uh, and they <laughs> chat about the main event, etc. Obviously Steiner's part of this Magnificent Seven stable that you just mentioned, Stuart. Um, including these three guys, there was Scott Steiner, Scott's Valley, Medasia, mm-hmm. Lex Luger, um, and Rick Steiner as well. So that was all formed by the on-screen CEO at the time, uh, Ric Flair. In uh, January of that year, and they basically they served as a heat-seeking group behind Steiner. Yeah. That was the purpose. Um, yeah. 
He's the muscle. They're the brains. Definitely. So next up, we get Sean Stasiak versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, Sean the Star Stasiak. Oh, apologies. Sean the Star Stasiak. I don't want him coming after me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so we, we see um, the highlights of Nitro from the week before where Bam Bam has laid out Stasiak, um, which is enough for a feud in WCW. So next up, Stacey Keebler comes in. I mean, that's... Delicious. <laughs> um, she complains about the lack of ovation she gets before she introduces Sean at the star Stasiak. Um, Thank you. So he's, he's, he's the son of uh, Stan Stasiak, who's the former WWF champion. Um, obviously, that's Vince Senior's old promotion. Mm-hmm. So Sean's tried his hand, but he never quite got anywhere near his dad's. Um, nah, I, I think this is kind of prime kind of theory that talent's not genetic. Because um, I believe Stan Stasiak was, you know, pretty, pretty decent pretty hand. Yeah. Uh, his son is not. Okay, <laughs> um, he actually left the business in O two. Um, he did go to WWE for a while. Um, obviously during the invasion and stuff like that. He, I think, had a wee bit with Brock Lesnar when Lesnar came in, and then he was gone pretty much after that. He was Kurt Angle's opponent on Angle's debut match in WWF. That's quite interesting, actually. Yeah, mm. uh, he's now a chiropractor and a motivational speaker. So fair play. Is this interesting? It's a parody or something. What is it? It's um. It's Fatboy Slim's right here, right now. Ah, right, okay. Do it now! Because I'm sitting there listening to it, and you know that way you just hear a riff or something, yeah, and you yeah. go, I know that. It's, it wasn't quite the same. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very WCW. Like, it's, they've got two options for ring music. It's kind of generic southern country music, or it's an absolute rip-off parody right. of, of a modern pop classic at the time. Yeah. So um, Stasiak takes a mic and he cuts a promo on Bam Bam and the crowd. Um, gets no heat, neither gives a shit, and then he starts throwing yeah. some pictures of himself into the crowd. That's... I, I, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't give a fuck about yeah. this match. Like, uh... I mean, the problem, the problem with his gimmick, right, is that, that I'm a good-looking specimen gimmick. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not only that so many people have done it, but they've done it much better than him. And it doesn't work when you've got the hottest woman in wrestling standing next to you, outdoing your hotness. Aye. No, you're spot on. Um, yeah. Unlucky, so we, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you make of Bam Bam's gear? He is a mess. I like Bam Bam. I, I like his ECW stuff, yeah. but he is very much switched off. Couldn't give a fuck. Just very much pay me uh, and that'll do me thanks. Yeah, I totally agree. Um... And it's a shame, but the quality of this match was really piss poor. Um, oh, you know, I, I, I don't think I've even took notes. I don't think there was a spot in this match. No, no. I mean, Stacey, he still was for a while, worried about his face getting hit. I mean, you're a wrestling mm-hmm. pal. I mean, I'd, I'd never understood that gimmick. Apart from when the Miz did it, I'd never really understood it. Yeah, he's a movie, he's star. movie star. Yeah. yeah, it made sense. But for him, just no one, oh, it didn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely right. This is just a gimmick that is so, so overplayed. Like, I'm good looking, yeah. so I don't want hit in the face. Fuck off. Yeah, we get a, a really, really sloppy affair. Um, Stacey yeah, has yeah. a, a large crossbody off the top um, and poses for the fans. It was a poor crossbody, and it was the one thing I thought if he can do that, then you could show a bit of athleticism. Mm-mm, didn't show it. Bigelow, he looked like he was raining it in, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, we get our second low blow of the night, which the referee sees and does nothing. Um, this is theme of the night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How I'm, shite are the refs in WCW? You know what else? You know what annoyed me more about the referee seeing it and not doing anything? The fact that you've got a fucking manager on the outside. Yeah. You know, Stasiak delivers a low blow and he's got a manager on the outside. He's the heel. All it takes is Stacey to distract the referee, get mm-hmm. the heat. See, if you don't get the heat, it just becomes pointless. And that's that the a, whole point of doing a low blow. And that was know? a full gimmick in WWF, was distracting referees for the Dudleys. 
That was yeah. what she did. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um, Bam Bam then returns a low blow, number three. Mm-hmm. Um, three and he three, then, 100% so far. Yeah, uh, so it's, he has a fallen headbutt before going to the top rope and hitting another one. Um, I think then Stacey gets up on the apron. She distracts Bam Bam and then throws her hairs- hairspray. Yeah, so she's yeah, so she's like, got a tiny bit of uh, she's got a tiny can of hairspray kind of uh, wrapped up in her hair. But I thought that was pretty. I mean, it's unique. Nice touch. Yeah, absolutely. Not seen that before. Kind of works with her with the kind of sector to the gimmick. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Stacey yeah. then sprays the eyes with the hairspray before hitting a neckbreaker for the three count. Uh, five minutes, 55 seconds, too long. Um, the only, there was two good things about this match. A was um, the, the name of Stasiak's finisher, which is called the Hangman's Noose Neckbreaker, uh-huh, yeah, which I think is yeah. a very, very class name for a neckbreaker finisher. However, he executes it very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. You know, neckbreakers can always be Bit sloppy, you know. I mean, yeah. Catch it. Especially someone with the size difference, it's really, really hard to catch him on the way down. And I think obviously... whoever was um, backstage writing gimmicks for these names, yeah, did a very good job because there's quite a few on the yes, night. I'm sure yes. we'll get to a few of them. Um, yeah, I agree, I agree. But the performers just don't pull it off well. And the best, the best thing about this match was Stacey Keebler being at ringside. Yeah, and that's not misogynistic or anything. She's just fucking hot. That's not being mis- misogynistic. That's just how yeah. it is. And that, that's just the way it was then. That's why they used Keebler and people, the, the Nitro girls and stuff like that. That was the whole point of them. You know, was to, oh, the whole male, male attraction while they were through the ad breaks and stuff like that. Like, I mean, it was hard. The wrestling world was hardly famed for um, excellent female wrestling back then. Um, obviously, not to the degree it is now with Charlotte, Becky, yeah. Asuka, etc., etc. Um, they were literally used as eye candy. Doesn't matter how good a wrestler you were, although there weren't many. Back then, you could kind of name a few off the top of your head, kind of Lita, Trish Stratus, Jazz, Jacqueline, these kind of people. But, you know, for the most part, they were valets. And uh, as the eye candy, because wrestling back then was primarily targeted towards the male kind of 18 to 35 kind of range. So next up, we have Team Canada versus Hugh Morris. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And your best pal, Conan. Um, This is the first time I've actually saw Conan wrestle. Genuinely, I don't, I don't get what the hype's all about. No, like he's a good promo. And yeah, he's got a big shit in the ring. Aye, like, he's piss poor. Um, so we get a quick cut to Hugh Morris and Conan brawling and exchanging wins with Team Canada over the last few weeks. Um, Team Canada is Mike Awesome and Lance Storm. Um, very nice to see these two. And Lance Storm cuts his legendary line. If I can be serious for a minute. Um, Amazing. He's, he's class. Probably, isn't he? <laughs> I like to be embraced. Both he just he gets wrestling. He just gets it. He can make oh, fun yeah. of himself. Yeah, he's a great technical wrestler. Obviously, kind of hard dungeon can through with Jericho. He's just a he's just a good wrestler. I think. Yeah. So I, I'm not long after watching like, the anti-American gimmick that he did with Christian and Test and stuff like that. So this is obviously yeah. the original of that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so they, they asked to play the Canadian national anthem, but it doesn't get played. And instead, Big Hugh Morris comes running out um, and charges the ring. And the ref rings the bell without Conan even being at the ring yet. Um, yeah, it was quite strange, wasn't it? Fucking bizarre. Um, awesome and Morris start the match. Good to see Mike Awesome. I think this is the first time I've been on this show an awful lot, to be honest with you, because he's never had anything too high... Up nah, the he's your kind of standard big man, isn't he? Does a yeah. flip over the top rope every now and then. Yeah, not much. Yeah. Um, so Hugh Morris takes a, a bit of a beating um, from the other two before Conan gets in, gets a hot tag. Um, he hits him, knocks them both down, has a nice uh, roll through clothesline, attempts the K factor, which I'm guessing is his finisher, but we never get to see it. Um, 
before Austin cuts him off and, and has a big splash on him for a two. And basically from there, Conan just takes an absolute pounding for the next 10 minutes, doesn't he? <laughs> like, it's pretty much just a punch kick affair on top of Conan, yeah. There's, yeah. Not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of spots to talk about. Um, awesome still is gassed for some reason despite doing fuck all. Every time he comes in, he's in for a grand total of two moves and tags out again and gets Lance yeah. to come in and do the, yeah. do the hard work. Um, Morris eventually gets the, the tag, um, but Awesome had the ref distracted, so it doesn't count. But no long before that, um, Awesome and Lance Storm had switched positions without there being a tag, and the referee doesn't call them on it. It's just, it's that sort of, you know, if, if you knew what this one was all about, you could see it. But if yeah. you didn't know, you'd be like, oh, this ref's a dick. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, exactly. um, one, for one, one for the other. Um, yeah. I think eventually Conan does get the tag and Morris comes in, he throws some hands, has a spinning heel kick um, and a big splash in the corner on Awesome before he eats a landstorm super kick. Awesome hits a big splash off the top, um, he's near Kane. And... I did notice, so see, when, uh, see when Awesome goes up to the top rope, you can see how bored the crowd are because there's, uh, there's a close-up to the guy in the 90s and the fourth row just yawning his head off. <laughs> oh, he's not in crowd, they are sitting on their hands for this one. Uh, so Conan saves the match... Um, Cuts off the pin and Hugh hits a German suplex on Awesome, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Storm stops the No Laughing Matter finisher, which allows Awesome to hit the Awesome Bomb and Team Canada get the win in 11 minutes and 28 seconds. Um, Razor's Edge, thank you very much. Yes, I prefer the Razor's Edge anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do like that's a difficult move mm-hmm. in terms of. You need of, to be strong. You need to be strong, that. yeah, because if, if, if you lean back too much, you're away. Have you ever tried to pick yeah. something up over your head that's really heavy exactly. and start to go back? You know, yeah. um, I couldn't imagine doing that with a guy. Lance and Awesome, I think they did well. So they probably think with this match out psychologically, it was a well worked tag match, but it was also very house showy. Um, in terms of, you know, it was quite simple. There was nothing too outrageous about it. Um, Conan was made to look absolutely terrible, whether, as I said, as we said there, whether that is, he's actually terrible and they're hiding, you know, a thousand sins there or... He's just not just, a chance to flourish. Ah, if they just weren't willing to give him any time there and, and I, Morris I is shit anyway. Yeah. I definitely think it's the former, I, I just don't see it at all. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was, a, it was a garbage match, this. It was like a kind of ball <clears> standard, kind of start a wrestling match, you know what I mean? The kind of... First match you have as a rookie kind of thing. Um, yeah. Nah, it was pish. Cool. Uh, which is a shame is because Lance, Lance Storm's class. Like, oh, he yes, is man. a good wrestler. He deserves a lot better. But that's what it is. Uh, I lost in the shuffle there. Um, we get backstage uh, security footage of Dusty and Dustin Rhodes in the locker room. Dusty has ordered 240 burritos to get ready for his match. His match is a kiss my ass match. Um, but Dusty and Dustin will take on Jeff Jarrett and Ric Flair. Um, so he thinks by eating 240 burritos, it's going to make his ass a bit smelly. Yeah, I'm sure two or three would have done it, but like you know. Dusty Rhodes, right? He's meant to be this wrestling genius. You should know if you eat that much, you're going to get a stitch very, very quickly. If you have yeah, yeah. Fuck's sake, Dusty, get a grip, son. Well, you know he's a wrestling genius. Neither said he was a he was a he was a fitness genius. No, he's most certainly not. He's not <laughs> health conscious anyway. No. Um, but eventually, get Buff Bagwell with his cameraman again, and they interview Rick Steiner, and they ask him what he's going to do to book a T later, and he says he's going to beat him. Um, and then he asked what's wrong with Scott Steiner. So Steiner's been a wee bit sort of um, distant over the last few while because someone's attacked Madeja and we don't quite find out who it is. Um, He's got feelings. Aye. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> um, so that, that leaves Scott slightly paranoid. Um, and then we go straight in an interview with Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare. Um, the natural born thrillers. Aye, aye, but that's not what I call him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anything but thrilling. <laughs> Got to see you next Tuesday. Um, <laughs> they plug their match against Totally Above later on for the WCW t- titles. 
WCW Cruiserweight Championship match. Sugar Shane Helms versus mm. Chavo Guerrero. Stand by. There's a hurricane coming yes, through. Indeed, <laughs> so Shane Helms with his Sugar Babies, that's his own dancers, company uh, on his entrance. He'll challenge Chavo Guerrero for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Love the title design of the, the WCW Cruiserweight title. Gorgeous. Yep. Very um, nice, very nice indeed. And the the debutante on this um, fine episode, Charles Robinson, uh, Little Nature's referee in this one. Delighted to see him. Always, <laughs> always good to see you, Charlie boy. Uh, so we got a, a standard lock up against the ropes, uh, and, and the ref sort of breaks him up. Chavo gets a side head lock early on and starts controlling Helms with the hair, which is really nice. Um, just any time sort of Helms had to get momentum to get him out, he would just grab the hair and, and hold him in. So Chavo obviously working heel, Helms working the baby face, which is quite bizarre after Helms' sort of entrance and character. I've- I find that very, very strange. So obviously, he's a, he's a face, but he's got like a he's a heel. He's entourage is very, very heelish. Yeah, five five checks. You know what I mean? That's that's a heel move. Aye, Sugar State Shane Helms. You know, suggest he's got money. Which is kind of rubbing yeah. it in. It's, yeah, didn't quite add up to me. Um, very backwards. Very backwards. Yeah. Solid Matt wrestling from these two, as you'd expect. Um, headlocks, nightmares, head scissors, that sort of thing, um, before they steer each other out in stalemate. For Chavo eventually just has a huge clothesline, knocking Helms out to the floor. I like when wrestling matches do that. They start off with wrestling, one guy maybe gets the better of the other, so the other guy just takes his fucking head off. You know, wrestling's over, let's start the yeah, fight. You know? Let's fight, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Um, Helms has a nice gut range suplex, uh, and then drops a fist from Brett's rope. Of course, the second rope, the most dangerous rope. Um, <laughs> right on the face of Chavo, gets the first two count in the match. Chavo blocks the nightmare on Helm Street. Um, Brilliant name. We should do a list of fantastically named yes. finishers. That'd be, that'd be yeah. a great episode. Uh, <laughs> great name for a move. Um, and he hits the big exploder suplex, or do they call it a T-bone? I'm not sure. It's chopped and changed throughout the year. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with the T-bone suplex. It was fucking it was gorgeous. Nice. It was gorgeous as well. Chavo begins to beat down the challenger in the corner before he locks in the STF in the centre of the ring. He transitions through a few different holds, really outmatching um, Helms on the mat and frustrating him a little bit. Um, it's a, good, a good, nice wee addition to the story. Um, and then he hits a big back suplex to sort of get the comeback. Cuts it off, Chavo takes control again. He uh, has a jackknife cover and Helms can't quite, quite get out of it. They sort of, you know, they try the double bridge and they just don't quite get up and they just nah, sort of roll out. Yeah, they're fucked, aren't they? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's maybe a lack of strength on Helms' part because yeah, he's, yeah. he's the underneath guy. Um, and Grill just thinks him a DDT for his shit. <laughs> um, Helms blocks maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, <laughs> Helms blocks a tornado DDT and hits the nightmare on Helms Street, but Chavo has the wherewithal to put his foot on the ropes. Um, that will always get over with me, especially Absolutely. if it's a Guerrero or Flair. <laughs> yes. Um, Chavo then takes the Flair bump over the top to the outside, sort of, you know, into the corner, etc. Um, real, real nice. And the crowd start chanting bowling. Piss off. Like, this match yeah, is good, thought, man. I thought that was a bit harsh. Aye. Um, You've you just had fucking Mike Awesome and Hugh Morris on the card and you're chanting bowling at this. Piss off. Yeah. Um, Marks. Um, we get a big cross body from Helms to Chavo on the outside and another one on the inside. Helms then goes up to the top again and gets crutched, word of the week, um, by Chavo and tumbles into the ring pretty hard. Chavo then attempts to pin him with his feet on the ropes, but Charlie, the best referee in the business, he's wise to it. He knows, he knows what he's doing. He sees what he's up to. So Chavo then attempts a vertebra breaker. Um, Helms counters it and hits, him, hits his own move, the vertebra breaker, for the three count. Scary looking finisher, but very, very nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's because it relies on the other person's awareness. It's like when someone takes a styles clash, like, yeah. they need to be on the ball to not get hurt absolutely which is fine I mean, Chavo's not going to hurt himself taking a move like that no um, so Shane Helms takes the three count 
wins in 13 minutes 57 seconds um, and it's a new Cruiserweight champion good match thoroughly enjoyed it um, the pace barely let up both guys worked really well together enjoyed the finish you know Chavo trying to be a bit cocky being the champion you know, he worked, he's, he's outsmarted Helms throughout the match he tries to use his finisher against them um, could be a dumb man a minute or two less but you know I enjoyed it yeah I thought it was um I thought it was above average. Um, it wasn't a, a match of the year kind or anything like that. Um, my only kind of critique is C. Shane Helms. I think it, it just takes a wee bit too long to figure out what he's doing in the ring. And what I mean by that is, it's like, you know, obviously you watch something like Guerrero, who's obviously just goes from spot to spot to spot to spot. No transition. He, he knows exactly what he's hitting, when he's hitting yeah. it. He needs to take that kind of extra wee step in the ring to kind of steady himself. It just throws the pace of the match off a wee bit, I think. It's probably more noticeable when you're in there with somebody who's as fluid as Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, um, definitely. So it sticks out that sort of thing a wee bit. So we, we see Jeff Jarrett backstage with a cameraman and he goes in and speaks to Ric Flair. Um, something about kissing ass. I never, I never really... Yeah, um, some bollocks. Yeah. Uh, Booker T then speaks to the camera about Rick Steiner seeing he'll win the US title, the one title that he has not won yet in WCW. And don't hate the player. Hate the game. <laughs> <laughs> people people seem to shit on that line, but I quite liked it. Like, it doesn't mean anything, but it's just a good, just a good catchphrase. Like. Yeah, yeah. So some, so well. Aye. So we get the WCW Tag Team Championship match. Totally buffed um, the team of Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell, um, two absolute specimens <laughs> mm, against uh, the Natural Born Thrillers. Two um, specimens of their own right, uh, Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare. <laughs> um, Lex is still in incredible shape here. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely ripped to the gills. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking huge, man. <laughs> Petrifying, isn't it? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You see him flexing and you see the different sort of cords in his muscle, you know, the different fibres in his muscles actually yeah. ripple and I'm like, that's petrifying, man. Like a, a human should not have that many veins coursing through their pecs. Oh, it's scary. Um, He's a big dude. Post WCW for Lex, he would work for various companies sporadically. Um, do you remember the company? I think they were called Pro, uh, Pro All Wrestling All Stars or something like Pro Wrestling All Stars or something like that. They were called. Doesn't ring a bell with me. No, they were basically they were one of these companies that sort of was started just after WCW folded, um, and he worked there. I think he actually did a show in Glasgow. At okay. one point, um, I can't remember the full name that's going to annoy me. Best Pro Wrestling All Stars or something like that. Okay. Um, and like Sting and Jarrett and all them, they wrestled for them as well before sort of TNA started to, you know, get some steam. Yeah, it's just, just a place for all the kind of uh, stars to go there on a paycheck. Basically. Pretty much. I think they only lasted for about two years. Um, I think it was okay. 2001 to 2003. They were there. So basically, since the demise of WCW. And yeah. I think they were uh, Australian based, but they sort of okay. went all over. Um, so he went there for a while. Eventually retired in 2006 um, at an indie show. He actually teamed with Bagwell against Jarrett and Steiner on that indie show. So, okay. um, you know, five years down the line and no much changes. Um, they're still working out together to this day. <laughs> you ready for a laugh? Always. Since 2011, he has worked with WWE under wellness policy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck uh, off. No, he's not. In a sort of advisor role. Um, oh, I advise you to take this, brother. Um, I, I may be wrong, but I, I don't believe he's been on WWE TV since the 90s, since he left to go to WCW. Since the Lex Express, Express money, <laughs> since the Lex Express crashed and burned. Yeah. Sean Connery joined us on the show, ladies and gentlemen. He has indeed. <laughs> so... <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that's maybe because Vince still has a sour taste that he jumped ship, or do you think he's he's the last because he won the war? I think Vince just looks like a big man. All right. <laughs> and he doesn't want anybody else to be able to look at him. <laughs> look at all that 
So like cuts up cuts a promo. It's sort of similar to his narcissist gimmick. He's basically just saying yeah, him, yeah. And, him and Buff have got fantastic bodies. Um, mm-hmm. Buff has just been the pain in the ass that we know him to be. Just shag each other and get under. <laughs> um, I like the name. Totally buffed. Um, mm-hmm. Works. But they basically they basically get a promo win because you, you'll find out in a second. This is this match won't take them long. They're right to a degree. Spoilers. <laughs> Out come the champions. Watch for the nineties rave tunes tonight. <laughs> They've oh, got right. one as well. Yeah. Um, they come in, they attack both guys, and then Lex accidentally knocks down Bagwell with his patented plate in the forearm thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, hits both guys with super kicks. Um, his name Sean Michaels. Sean O'Hare hits the, both guys with the Sean Ton bomb. Misses by a mile. And retain the titles with double pins in 54 seconds. Um, I can't break the referee because I'm not sure if he counted both pins or just one. So I don't think he did. I'll let this slide. I think he counted one, so we'll let him away with it. Yeah, bollocks. Moving on. I'm not sure why they did this. Obviously, you never find out because it doesn't grow into anything. Um, These guys just didn't seem over. Um, Nope. Swanton's were shite. Lex is a multiple time champion. Buff is your homegrown boy. It just didn't make sense not to put these two guys over. You know, a veteran who's won the World Championship a few times and, you know, Buff, who you've, you've grown up to be this own-your-own-star, if you like. Yeah, I get, I get what they're doing, trying to kind of make new stars, but I don't think fucking Sean O'Hare and Chuck Blum were the guys to do it to. No, and I don't think you can just force that to happen either, you know? You nah. have to feel it, but... We then see the Freakzilla backstage doing pull-ups. You can probably tell I'm smiling through that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> My day's just counting. He does 102. Um, he's probably done five or six. But <laughs> Your ass, he's done 1,002. He doesn't want to embarrass anyone. <laughs> he's, he's lost count. He's had 250. <laughs> um, yeah. He then... Uh, it's his words. <laughs> it's quite inaudible until he says to DDP to put up or shut up. <laughs> yeah. And I've just written in Steiner style. That's all. <laughs> We then get um, a match of the year's um, nomination of Ernest the Cat Miller and Mrs. Jones, with Mrs. Jones, sorry, in, the, in his corner against Canyon. Um, we get a sort of highlights package, um, and then we go back to the ring where Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell are still laid out. Uh, but moment of the night, they're still selling in the I ring mean, after. Drop <laughs> to you for trying to put yeah. these guys over big time, but. Yeah. He just didn't take a beating big enough for that, did you? Like, I, I like that. I, I did pull for that. I thought that was good. It's is, it is funny though, isn't it? Like, uh, yeah. yeah. So Chris Canyon comes out, who was in our previous episode as the guy who came out in the glacier match. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's lost a bit of muscle since then, let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ernest says he's going to rip the mask off Canyon's face. Oh, wait, that's not a mask. Pish line. Fuck off. Yeah. Uh, the line was as good as the match is going to be. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it was something to do with Canyon is hospitalised Miss Jones um, after he hit his Canyon cutter on her. I think that's the story. Um, was she an ex-Nitro girl as well, I take it? Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. um, I, think, I think they all are, to be honest, yeah. So uh, we get a... Uh, a uh, 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 shite match. Uh, it's fucking dreadful. There's one spot in this uh, that was actually good, and it's Canyon's top lo- top rope leg driver. Oh, it's, it's like a, a yeah. it's like a mix between a famous and Cena's kind of leg drop for the top rope. Yeah, nice. Um, see this match, right? Did you notice? Like, I thought this is the point where they were painting kind of crowd music in the arena because, like. There was a lot of noise and there was nothing happening in the ring. I, so I remember, I remember, I was when I was watching. I was like, "Fuck this! This this guy's over." You know, Ernest the Cat Miller's over. Like the crowd, yeah. are, the crowd are hot on him. 
And then I'm looking at the crowd and I'm thinking, they're sitting down on exactly. There's no noise, unless they put, you know, the, the, the loud fans behind the camera so they can pick mm-hmm. it up. But I don't know. Uh, just, uh, it's in a bit, I thought they're a bit phony, man. You know? <laughs> Is that with the ultras? Aye. 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 Our camera. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> Sections B to C only. Um, <laughs> we also got a weird spot where the ref gets pushed um, by Miller and I think he gets low blowed, so I'm going to count that as number four of the night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, poor camera room. works, I'm, I'm counting it. Um, mm-hmm. The ref then sees Canyon's feet on the ropes and calls calls off the pin. So, fair play to that referee, whoever the fuck redeemed, he was. Redeemed himself. Uh, um, Miller's pile driver attempt was turned into an Alabama slammer. And as Canyon goes to put him down, he holds on. Canyon, uh, the cat holds on his neck and just does not want that bump, man. He does not want that. He's like, well, put me down gently. Like, fucking. Yep. Oh, man. He's, he's not interested. Um, we then get uh, the feliner. Um, for a two count, which is that another good name? Another good name for a finisher, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, work the gimmick in, like, it's great. Why um, not? Why not? We then get a weird spot where. Well, oh, you um, can call him the pussy for no one to take that move. <laughs> <can you? laughs> the pussy, yeah, that's really good. I like that. Um, Miss Jones gets up on the apron and then that distracts the referee. So Canyon then hits the referee on the back for whatever reason. Um, no reason. No reason. Miss Jones then comes in and the cat grabs Canyon and tries to get her to kick him. Um, he moves, so Miller then takes the kick to the leg. Um, mm-hmm. Canyon then grabs her, and then the cat saves her again, and then she again kicks Canyon on the leg. Kick him in the nuts! Like, yeah, I didn't understand that. She, I've been more about low balls this whole show, but this one made now's sense. The, yeah, now's the, now's the, now's the time. Um, she probably was the most athletic person in this match, though. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, which says an awful lot to what was happening here. So the cat has a second feeliner, wins the match in 10 minutes, 31. This match was about six, six minutes too long. Um, yeah, I'd probably have to say it was nine minutes too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Milleren gets his cape on after and dances before Canyon attacks him. And then Smooth comes down to the ring. Makes a save. I, th- I think that's his name. I couldn't care less. No recollection of this guy whatsoever. No. Moving Let's on. Move on. <laughs> uh, Bagwell and Nugger are backstairs arguing um, about losing the match. This, um, this was good. This was the only backstage segment that I enjoyed yeah. for the day of you. This was class. Cameraman's um, getting a telling off for recording it and he's like, you told me to record everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. but all of the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Made total sense. Um so we, we we see we see Dusty and Dustin backstage. Dustin's like it's gonna be smelly. Um, he's he's ate all his burritos. Um, two hundred and forty of them. <laughs> so Booker T versus Rick Steiner for the WCW United States Championship. Um, we see a bit of history between Booker T and Magnificent Seven. Um, Booker got laid out the week previous on Nitro, so maybe expect the effects to be seen in this match. Um. Booker T just looks like a star, man. He is a cut above everyone on this pay-per-view. Apart from Scott Steiner, obviously, but um, you can tell who the big guy is. The, the, you can tell who the guy is is going to WWF and make a name for himself. Yeah, not your spot on. Um, we get a bit of shenanigans to start off. Rick tells the ref to check Booker for weapons. Um, just um, just before that, sorry, uh, Rick Steiner's music. Did you notice what the melody was? I did not. It was Welcome to the Jungle, Guns N' Roses. Oh, wait, was that? It was very, very. I think it was kind of legally different. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> In bracket, but it was um, just kind of talking earlier on about obviously the WCW parodies. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what this is. Oh, that's quite interesting. It's I'm going to check that out again because I never yeah. noticed it. Um, 
So yeah, as I said, back to shenanigans. Um, Rick tells the referee to check Booker T for weapons, and then the cheap shots him. Nice, um, nice, nice of distraction. I like it. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, it's, a, it's a good way to get cheap heat. Um, yeah, then he loses it immediately by going out to the outside less than twenty seconds in the match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how very Steiner of you, you know? <laughs> fucking hell, <laughs> keep it in the ring, you lazy bastard. What Scotland? He'll show you how to do it. He will show you how. So, and he also takes a, a leaf at a Scots book by a little bit of trash talking. Um, mm-hmm. Clothesline's booker for a two count, um, and he sort of just controls the match, cutting off any booker's sort of offence. Um, yeah. Nice double underhook power bomb at one point, which is lovely. Um, lovely, yeah, I wrote that, yeah. Yeah, reverse chin lock, <laughs> arm style. Um, I like his wrestles, didn't he? Suplex wrestled, suplex wrestled. Beginning yeah, softball big... stretch as well, which I'll always enjoy. Um, mm-hmm, I don't know why, mm-hmm. it's just a unique move. Um, and then Booker manages an Olympic slam before Kurt Angle makes it famous. Um, <laughs> Steiner then retaliates with a belly to belly for a two count, and then we see Booker going into the corner, and he has this really nice, you know, he sort of, you know how you guys get thrown into the corner and they sort of jump up, and the guy runs under, but he sort yeah. of jumps up and twists in a sunset flip and gets Probably. a pin for a two. Mm-hmm. Lovely. It was a flawless transition, he's and then Steiner so just takes his fucking head off. <laughs> he's, he's so athletic for a big guy, you know what I mean? Good, good feet for a big man. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's about 6'4", isn't he? He's a, yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah, um, yeah. The referee checks Booker's arms from a chin lock, starts to sort of fade, and then obviously the classic coming down on the third day starts to fire up. Mm-hmm. I've been in a chokehold, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> you get progressively more out of yeah. it, you don't make a comeback. You, you, you don't gradually get out and then just no. fire back, you get out of it and you're out. Sleepy <laughs> 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 times. times. Um, you ever see guys doing that new UFC day where they start exactly. to sort of fade and just start hulking up, you know? Exactly. <laughs> um, you'll see, imagine that with Conor McGregor and Khabib when they locked him in the chin and the, the, the sleeper and he just starts to hulk up. He's got on his back, rams him in the cage, you know. Warrior shaking the ropes. Oh, brilliant. Um, We got a big flying clothesline from Booker and he has the Ghetto Blaster. It was the name for his scissor kick. I don't think he's carried that over with him. Yeah, uh, there will be. It's kind of generic. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I was up with a flapjack and the spinner Rooney, of course, which is the most um, highly impactful move in wrestling, um, mm-hmm. Booker goes for the side kick and nails the ref by accident, allowing Steiner to hit a German suplex. And here comes Shane Douglas. <laughs> Did not expect this to happen. Why? <laughs> Why and how? You know what I mean? So Steiner had beat oh, Douglas man. for the title. Um, which is enough for him to come out here and and, and do him wrong. Um, so Steiner is up in the top turnbuckle. Um, Douglas hits him off and Booker T hits the bookend or bottom uh, for the three count and Booker T wins the title in seven minutes, 31 seconds. Um, solid enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a fine match. Booker T will never let you down. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how bad his opponent is, Booker T will get a good match out of someone. Yeah. I think um, yeah, he was the MVP here, you know. Um, always, I could have done without Shane Douglas. Um, as as always, <laughs> you'll never you'll never hear me say I wish that match had more Shane Douglas in it. Um, <laughs> It was quite basic, you know, but it, yeah. it was by no means the worst on this card. Yeah, I think, you know, Rick did the bare minimum in terms of, you know, he probably let Booker just call the whole lot and yeah, do what he had yeah. to do and let Booker get the win. Fair enough, but obviously Booker takes the title um, and that's him won every title on WCW, so fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We go backstage and Road Warrior Animal has found Bagwell on the floor. Um, Luger says, isn't that convenient? Because animals just walked in and found them like that. And obviously, this is probably off the back of the Madeja thing as well. So they must have been mm-hmm. building to something here, but God knows what. Probably Sting returning. Um, but who cares? <laughs> yeah. we then get At a... this point, not me. Yeah, so we, we then get the, the, the match of the night. Uh, kiss my ass match. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's the only thing that's never been done well, has it? Fucking state everybody in this match, apart from Jarrett. Like, Jarrett's in reasonable shape. 
No one else is. So no one else is at all. Dustin and Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair and Jeff Jarrett. Um, so Dustin had refused to join Ric Flair's team, so they tried to get rid of him, and that sort of wants the return of Dusty Rhodes, who left about a year earlier to go to ECW for a while. Um, point of back and forth between the four guys for um, the weeks building up to this, and uh, so here we go. So Ric Flair comes out wearing his uh, clothing worthy for two weeks in Fling- Fingerola. Um, he's just at a pre mark Ah, he's uh, <laughs> for the sale on. He's out there with his Hawaiian shirt, and slacks, and his sliders. Um, he's going out to the dancing. Uh, <laughs> 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 Only Scottish people are going to get that. And yeah, something coming. Just Scottish people. <laughs> Somebody come and get their dad. <laughs> so your dad's took the divorce well. Which one are you, you ask? Uh, <laughs> She's took the wins off me. <laughs> so, Slapnuts Jeff Jarrett. Um, nice. Uh, I like Slapnuts mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Road Warrior Animals yeah, out there getting a payday. Uh, it's a bit of a wanker, isn't it? Rose is wearing the Mounties jammies. Yep. It's really not a good match for outfits. And, and, and Dusty comes out to a pissy remake of his WWE, WWF um, American Dream sort of tune. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm so familiar with the WWF version of it. You can never tell on the network what's the dubbed versions and what was the actual yeah. at the time, you know what I mean? So, yeah, garbage. So, Flair says he's not wrestling and Jeff Jarrett will do it himself before proceeding to wrestle. Um <laughs> just did not get that man like, I'm not wrestling you're wrestling animals out there put them in some kit and get them to wrestle like, I'm, yeah. I'm not praying for what an animal in the ring but I mean if you're going to do something do it right <laughs> yeah that's fair point of stone early on and then Dustin comes in he hits some right hands him and Flair start to work over um, Flair tosses Dustin into the, the ropes and he grabs on flips off Flair and tags in his dad and then gets a fair pop um, so we've got Dusty and, and Flair in there um Fifteen so, years after it was popular. Yeah, this 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 kind of match up here. That's this is the metaphor for WCW, isn't it? It's like it used to be amazing, but now look at the state of it. Aye, it's and, and I think that's fair. And it's a shame to a degree because I mean the guys are so over, but you just don't use them in the right capacity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like use these, use use. I thought I say far gone talent, but you know what I mean. Use ex guys to put over new talent, not Dusty to go Rose there and put themselves over. You know what I mean? Dusty Rose shouldn't be in the ring. No, that's definitely not. How it is. Um, so we, we we get um Dusty comes in, does his business, um elbows, punches, mm-hmm. what Dusty Rose does. Um Dustin then eventually comes back in. Flair attempts a figure four on him. Uh, Dustin rolls him up and then backslides Flair for a two count. Um Jarrett then locks in his own figure four on Dustin, who manages to roll over and reverse the pressure. Don't you know that that's how it works? Um he gets a back suplex and then both men are down and Flair and Rose want tag, so they both get in for a Hot tag, if you like. <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a question about this, right? Uh-huh. So, see how heels do this stupid thing. I don't understand why they do it. See if the referee's not distracted, and the reason for the distraction is so they can basically tag in and out without making the tag. What benefit does that have to anyone? Surely, tagging someone in doesn't deplete your energy. Why not just go and fucking tag them? I don't. I don't get that, you know, you know the spot, like the yeah, are, yeah. The, when they go the into the are, corner and the referees are, and they just sort of swap over. Yeah, so the faces are always, the faces are looking for the hot tag and the heels will go and deny them the tags. And as there is then as the other as the partner comes in from the face team, the ref gets distracted and then the heels just go and switch out for no reason. Right, I'd, I I'd, I'd I, say that it, it, what I would do in that say in that situation is see if I see if you put your guy in your corner, right, mm-hmm. and then you go over to the other side of the ring and start winding up the other guy. Mm-hmm. And the referee falls you over, and he gets distracted by the opposition, right? Yeah. And your guy's already in the ring, and he's beating up the other guy, and mm-hmm. you just switch it. That that's the way I get it because it's like 
no time wasted. They just he's, he's just beating him up while you get okay. the referee distracted. Okay. I would understand it to that degree, but if we're talking about taking him out of the corner and then just switching places, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. yeah. It seems like they always put a lot of effort into distracting the ref so they cannot tag to make a switch. I just don't get it. Aye, it doesn't make sense in most degrees. I would say, obviously, if the, if, if the guy swapped in with other guys over the other side of the ring, etc., then it saves yeah. time. That's the only way I could really sort of define yeah. it. Kayfabe answers on a postcard, please. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they both come in, uh, Dustin delivers his punches to both men, lays it by on, uh, on a elbow and flair, but Jarrett saves it for the pin, and then he low blows Dusty, number five. Um, number five. <laughs> so they, they attempt sort of double figure fours on the roads, but they sort of reverse, and then Dustin rolls up Ric Flair for the win in just under ten minutes. Uh, holy fuck, that was indeed the finish. Yeah. I can't believe it. Bizarre. Um, so, so Dustin actually gets the pin on Ric Flair. Yeah, so let's just, let's just kind of... Uh, decipher what's happened there, right? So, Flair, <laughs> the master of the figure four leg lock, right? The best there's ever been. 16-time world champion. 16-time world champion, the best wrestler that's ever been. Goldust <laughs> has managed to reverse his figure four, no problem whatsoever. Twice? He reversed it ever twice, <laughs> reversed it twice, no problem at all. But uh, Jarrett manages to sink it in, no problem. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so Goldust beat Ric Flair in this match is what happened. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm sure that the crowd noise was pumped in because um, everybody in the hard, the hard cam side was sitting down yeah. again, sitting in their hands, looking elsewhere, yawning, looking at their cousins, that kind of southern stuff, you know. <laughs> um, I, I mean, talking about things we don't need to see in pay per view is Dusty, Dusty Rhodes' hole. Dusty's ass. Oh, uh, Jared gets right his face off. rubbed right in amongst it mm-hmm. and these scrappers um, it's just funny you know and if that, if that crowd noise wasn't pumped in it's because they think that you know those two guys getting in the ring whose heyday was 15 years ago it's because they think that was the most over thing on the card um, they were doing it wrong here weren't they yeah absolutely wrong um, shape match payoff was dreadful uh, fucking put your arse away Dusty <laughs> It's time! Main event it's time. time. Uh, Dallas Page versus Scott Steiner, WCW World Heavyweight Championship on the line. Michael Buffer is back in his weight number. Um, He's still getting paid by <laughs> WCW. I heard somewhere that he, he, got, he, got, he got like a million a show. Yep. Like... Yep. Do <laughs> you wonder if you're doing business? <laughs> For like two minutes of his two minutes of his night, uh, he, I mean, he fucking drags out as well. He does. Um, he is. So, so missions of pinfalls anywhere, uh, anywhere at all. So it's falls yeah, anywhere. Going anywhere. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we hear the sensational sirens of Big Papa Pump, Freakzilla. Oh, it's time! Holla, if you, if you hear me. Hear me. <laughs> Uh, accompanied by his valet, Madeja. Uh, last week's shoot, I gave you a nice gift of Malenko's bio, so I'm going to give us all the gift that keeps on giving. Scott Steiner. Let's see what we know, shall we? Oh, break it down for me. After a solid amateur wrestling career, spending a few years as NCAA, NCAA um, heavyweight division, he was running up a few times, never quite managed to win the title. Um, I'm not quite sure how that works over there, to be honest with you. Um, no. It's, it's a sport it. that's not well followed in Scotland. Um <laughs> Eventually, the pro wrestling following his brother, um, he trained under Dr. Jerry Graham Jr. at Torio's Health Club in Toledo, Ohio. Um, somebody, somebody I couldn't find an awful lot about, to be honest with you. Um, debuted in 1986 for WWA, uh, World Wrestling Association, I think that was in Texas. Um, won a world title by August and held it until May of 87. Fair play. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, still territory days, so 
um, to hold the world title that soon after debuting and yeah. for that long. Fair play, you know, he obviously had something from an early age. He would team up with his trainer, uh, Graham Jr., and win the tag belts and lose them in December. And then would go on and wrestle for a Memphis promotion before finally joining WCW. Um, his brother Rick Steiner was already there, and um, Scott started accompanying him to the ring. Um, and he wrestled a few singles bouts here and there before him and Rick started tagging together as the Steiner brothers. Um, they would often be accompanied by Missy Hyatt, or woman, who was known as Nancy Benoit. Um, and they would have some stellar battles with the Freebirds, Doom, Midnight Express, you know, the top tag teams of that WCW yeah. sort of era. Um, they competed in war games at Wrestle One Ninety One, teaming with Sting and Brian Pillman. Competed in what? Sorry? Competed in what? War games! Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, the team with Sting and Brian Pillman and, and a losing effort against the Four Horsemen in a match that would be given five stars by the Observer. Um, oh my. So that's a, a nice accomplishment. <laughs> um they would also hold the IWGP tag titles. Um, they beat Hiroshi, Hiroshi Hase and Kitsuki Sasaki. Easy for me to say. Um, at the New <laughs> Japan well Super Show. I thought I tried my best. Uh, <laughs> so with winning those titles and the previous reigns as NWA World Tag Champions and the NWA United States Tag Team Champions, they were basically the Triple Crown Champions. The first team to actually do that. Um, sort of through WCW, obviously their, their partnership with New Japan as well allowed them to do mm-hmm. such. Um so in late 1990, Steiner ran the gauntlet on WCW TV, a gimmick they were doing at the time where the winner would win 10 grand um, if he defeated three men um, that were put before him. He managed to topple Bobby Eaton, Ann Anderson and Ric Flair in the one night. Wow. Fantastic story. That, that is like. some talent pool to get through. Yeah, so that, that, that pushed him into the title picture in January of 91, um, where he, he fought Ric Flair for the title, of course, ending in a team limit draw. Another good rub. <laughs> it's, it's just what Flutes is doing in the territories, wasn't it? Like, he'd come in, put your top man over, time limit draw, yeah. goodbye, thanks for the money. But all the way, I believe, the call that was now in the, to, to a time limit. Oh, um, very nice. He would continue teaming on and off with Rick um, before the brothers would leave for WWF in late 92. Um, I believe they had a contract dispute with Bill Watts at the time, who was a promoter. Um, and Scott was actually the TV champion at the time, so he vacated the belt um, in order to leave. That's the way it was then. You were only tied into, you know, two, two yeah. months non-compete, etc. <laughs> you could just leave. Um, Pat Patterson and Bruce Pitchard were so keen to bring in Scott Steiner and they even pitched to Vince McMahon that they should bring in Scott as a surprise in the 93 Rumble and have him win the thing and go on to win the title at WrestleMania 9 Holy shit Big rub Big rub indeed (laughs) However Vince McMahon uh, wasn't as keen and he would rather have the Steiners and the Steiners actually but apparently um, rather be a tag team at the time as well so fair play to them Um, I find that hard to believe knowing Scott Steiner the way he eventually became that he thought it would be better to be teaming with with Rick than Breeder or be champion Um, They did compete in Mania 9 against the Headstrinkers which was one of the matches of the night to be honest with you Yep, Um, Yep And they would eventually win the tag titles in June from Money Inc. Uh, they swapped the titles back and forth on house shows as well, which was a, a strange thing of the times. Um, I think that was a way they sort of used to plug the house shows. Anything yeah. can happen at a house show, you know. Yeah, pretty much trying to get some more some more asses in the seats. Yeah. Um, and they wouldn't be around, around very long for WWF. They would leave in mid-94. Um, they'd wrestle in New Japan. Um, where they'd obviously wrestle through the WCW run. Um we we were on ECW for about three months before they would go back to WCW in '96. Um, they would win the title belts for the UL, and then eventually Scott would turn on Rick, join the NWO, adopting the blonde hair and the blonde beard combo. Um, <laughs> he originally called himself White Thunder. Uh, Brilliant. <laughs> uh, and Superstar, which is an homage to Billy Graham, obviously he did something similar with his beard. Um, he dropped it soon after, after preferring Big Papa Pump, fair play. Um, 
the state obviously disbanded. They'd go on to win the US title, TV title, and the World Championship, which is this run here. Um, WWF would eventually buy out the company and he would sit out his contract at AOL Time Warner. He would eventually go to WWE, um, I think it was late 2002. Um, it was World Wrestling All Stars, was the company. I've just I've realised I've written it in Steiner's. Um, <laughs> from earlier on um, yeah, somewhere. yeah quite a few XWCW guys joined them there he also wrestled for New Japan again on their 35th anniversary show um, but yeah it was 02 in October of 02 I believe they jumped ship to WWE um, having that Whopper feud with Triple H um, mm. and the 8 minute match they should have went 20 um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, tw- the 27 minute match they should have went 8 yeah um, he also um, teamed with Test uh, and Stacey Keebler and then he eventually left in 2004. He quit a bad uh, leg injury, which required surgery, and left him out for about a year. Um, and he eventually turned up in TNA in 2006. Um, as Jeff Jarrett's bodyguard, didn't you know? Um, well, he probably had a, a very, probably one of his most memorable probably runs. Probably his best run. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, the Steiner Mass promo, which many, many people um, still listen to and love to this day. Um, it's my alarm in, alarm in the morning. Yeah. It's me pumped up for the day. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, he has been on NWA Power and TNA up till most recently. Um, of course, he has suffered a heart attack not too long ago. I, I believe he is back on his feet. Um, yeah, yeah, I've seen him appear in uh, an indie show uh, the other week there, but he addressed it. Uh, looking a bit frail, but hopefully he's on the road to recovery. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's never nice to see that about any wrestler. So, um, Especially not someone like Scott Steiner. Definitely. So that's my wee bio on Scott Steiner. Um, what do you make of him? Oh, <laughs> uh, you mean, you know, he's, he's probably he's one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. He's just, he's so he's so charismatic. He doesn't give a fuck yep. at all. He'll say whatever he wants. Great promo. Um, There'll never be another Scott Steiner. There will never be another Scott Steiner. So we better get into the match then, I suppose. (laughs) So we start off with a stare down. Uh, DDP hits a a swing and neck breaker and they pretty much go to the outside almost immediately. Um, Very Steiner of you. Yeah, uh, Steiner very much takes control. Um, He sends uh, DDP into the crowd and they begin to fight amongst the fans where they end up at the Spanish broadcast table. Um, There's a clear plant standing in the fenced off area. Reese <laughs> um, crutches. So it's a fan with crutches. Mm-hmm. But he's in the area where the table is, but it's obviously yeah, fenced the, off. It could not have been yeah. clearer. He's in the tech area. Yeah. Um, for no reason. So uh, I think Dallas Page takes the crutch off him and uses it to his own benefit before putting Steiner through the table for a two count. Um, they fight back to the ramp and then Steiner argues with it and pushes a fan. Um, another plant and it looks like Paul London. Turns out it is Paul London. <laughs> Um, it's not, is it? It is, I looked it up, yeah. Holding the the vinyl record? It's like a record or something, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's trying to get him to sign something or something like that, but a Scott Steiner vinyl, Christ, I'd buy that. Um, I'd buy that. (laughs) uh, They get back in the ring, Steiner clotheslines, elbow drops, and then does his press ups, which is just great. Love the spot. Yep. Just jumps off the pin, starts uh, doing press ups. Yeah. Do you remember when uh, Nikki Bell used to do that and she was fucked after? T- I can't believe I've mentioned the Bellas twice in this podcast. Christ, yeah. Yeah, they they, they must have loved WCW growing up. Yeah, they fucking did. Aye. <laughs> got <all> WCW marks. Um, <laughs> Where's this podcast going, man? <laughs> Where is What am I doing in my life? Um, the Freakzilla <laughs> locks in the bear hug. Um, the crowd start to get behind Paige, but his comeback's cut off by a belly to belly. And um, Stenner just chop, chops away. We see some corner, uh, some, some corner. We see some blood on page in the corner, <laughs> um, <laughs> and a wee bit on the forehead of the big bad booty daddy. Um, Stenner puts page in the softball stretch before DDP gets out and hits the DDT. Um, it's a hard sentence to say twice. Um, so both men go down <laughs> for the referee's count. Um, they get back up. DDP hits another DDT. Um, 
in attempts of cutter, but Steiner gets a low blow. Um, no DQ, so it's all good, but that's number six. <laughs> yeah, it's acceptable here, though. Ah, well, on its side. Um, DDP then gets a cutter from nowhere, but Rick Steiner pulls the referee out, and Page lays him out and throws the ref in. So, it's a, it's a bit weird, like, pulling the referee out. Like, just go in and batter him. It's an ODQ. It's not exactly. You don't have to distract him. It's false, false getting anywhere. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, Scott then gets thrown into the Rick and then gets rolled up for a two count before Page eats a jawbreaker as Medeja hands Steiner the title and he smashes it across the face of Page. Steiner then covers a body page because it still kicks out of two um, and then we get like a Boston Crab and the body's pissing out of Page <laughs> by this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, so, so Page grabs the ropes and the ref starts counting Steiner to break. Don't. No, it's somebody no DQ. Uh, rules. <laughs> Logic does not apply. <laughs> Logic uh, does not apply in WCW. No. Um, Medeja then distracts the ref, which allows Steiner to hit the pa- hit page with a steel pipe. Why are you distracting the ref? It's no mm. DQ. Fucking hell, I can hold a seminar on this. Um, <laughs> he locks in the, rec- uh, the Steiner recliner and DDP is done. So Steiner retains the title in 14 minutes and 14 seconds. And then the Steiner's beat up page after and the show closes out. So slightly overbooked in the end. We, we reckon Medeja getting involved. Um and in the way they got involved, but solid enough main event for what it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't awful. Uh, it was hardly a classic, though, was it? Um, no. It was lazy booking and lazy execution, for being honest. In terms of a B-show. Um, B-show? Fuck, <laughs> in terms of a W-show. Um, yeah. So, let's sort of have a wee recap, man. Um, Remarkable, Jet versus Kiwi was one of the better matches in the show. Um, <laughs> Cruiserweight tag match, Kept the energy high, stays out in bigger lobes rotten. Team Canada versus Morris and Conan could have done without it, dragged in. Hems and Travel was probably my match of the night. You know, it was I certainly enjoyed it more than most of them in terms of I probably had a bit of expectation as well. <laughs> um as I didn't with the first match. Uh, Miller and Canyon was very poor. Uh, Booker T carried a solid mid card title match. Uh, light years ahead of so many of the guys on this card. Um the the tag match with the Rhodes and, and Flair and Jarrett. It was it was okay. Um, it was it was a nice sort of palate cleanser before the main event. I suppose it was a bit different. Um, the crowd seemed to enjoy it, um, and we had a, a sort of solid enough street fight for the main event. So Steiner would obviously continue this strong heel run if they went to plan. Um, so that was obviously I'd like to have seen how that worked out in the end. I'm guessing Steiner yeah, would have come back and, and taken the belt. Um, I, I have to give the show for the side. You want to give me your recap before we? No, on you go, on you go. I'll let you. I'll give it a, a flat D. Um, yeah, I think just not enough of anything interesting going on. Um, a couple of good matches to help sort of bring it up, um, but a lot of matches that could have been TV matches as well. So a, a solid D. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything that you've said there. Um, I, the the Helm Shower match could have been a lot better, which is why I didn't like it Fair as enough. much because these two can put on a better match than what they did. Um, yeah, I mean, the Kiwi match was match of the night. In terms of in-ring quality, it was the best thing. Because uh, when we go do these shows, obviously, we look up the cards and stuff, and think, that may be quite good. Mm-hmm. And we looked mm-hmm. at that, and I thought, who the fuck is who that? Who the fuck are these cunts? Yeah. Um, blows away. Surprising. I, I like being surprised with things like that. Yeah. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. It's pleasant, you know, because you think very, this is going to be nice. shite, and it's no bad, and you think, oh, yeah. you know. Um, main event could have been a lot better. I mean... Well, could it? <laughs> nah, well... <laughs> You make a fair point. I mean, Dallas Page needs lead through a match. Steiner's not someone to lead someone through a match. He just likes to throw me around the ring. Yeah, because Steiner, uh, sorry, Page was uh, one of those guys who would always plan out his matches, wasn't he? 
Oh, he's a spot-by-spot. Spot. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, for me, it's a C-, minus, um, and it's only that high because Scott Steiner's on it. Fair enough. <laughs> and that is just... So ho- is. hopefully that's the last of WCW for a while for us. Uh, we'll see. For a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but next week, I know it's definitely not WCW. The next show that we're going to be doing... It is not. WrestleMania 24, obviously we're fresh in the WrestleMania season, uh, a lot of nonsense going on, in fact I think as, as this show goes out, it might already have been recorded, but <laughs> we'll, take, yes. we'll take that a pinch of salt at the minute um, There's some classic not, matches not, on the card We're definitely not reviewing this year's Mania No, um, because it's not it's not getting it's not live, and it's recorded over two nights, and as this has been recorded for the second time, <laughs> it's looking like the cards under a wee bit of um, strain. strain at the minute with Reigns potentially pulling out. Yeah, it looks like he has pulled out. Um, yeah. It looks like he has been replaced. I don't want to spoil that for anybody <laughs> who might be listening to this, yeah. but it looks like he's been replaced by somebody of lesser quality. Um, the Fiend. <laughs> um, oh, the marks on their keyboards. Oh. <laughs> How could um, you? No. We love yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's looking like Braun Strowman is taking yeah. the place. Likely. But yeah. I'm fine with. So I'm fine with that as well. Um, he had an outburst recently on Twitter, which has really. <laughs> uh, oh, he did. Which has really knocked him down in a lot of people's eyes. Oh, Braun. The way I see it, man. like <laughs> He's right. He's totally like, right. Well, no, he's, he's, he's wrong in this regard because that's not anybody's fault. I can understand if it's somebody who's been injured and is trying to get people to go and fund them. Or people's done something stupid in wrestling, like your stupid deathmatch guys who's trying to get people to cover their medical costs. That's stupid. But in terms of like what we're going through right now, in terms of a pandemic, that's not right. the, that's, that's nobody's fault, man. Like right, I've I've misread the, I've misread what you said. Then. Uh, so basically, um, that Evil Uno has has tweeted out, you know, support your local indie wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't referring to himself, by the way. You know, he's AEW, he's taken care of. Um, yeah. But he's saying, you know, buy their merch. You know. Share yeah, their stuff, yeah. get some you know support for them, etc. And he basically on there said, "Oh, here we go with guys who who can't make it a living, you know, begging for it." I'm like, mate, like fucking give it a break, man. Like these are guys mm. who you know through no fault of their own have lost bookings, have lost money that they planned on coming in. Yeah, and they're not under the WWE umbrella. They can Aye, and it's, it's not just wrestling; it's the whole fucking world, you know. Mm-hmm. And that evil you know, a nice gesture, you know. And you fucking it's bad days. Even Jim Cornette came out and said Braun Strowman was wrong. I listened to that, that right? oh, he was, and he said, and they told me to fuck off the fat fuck, which I found hilarious as well. Um, but just I, I, he's under some he's under some abuse for that at the minute. Um, right, I've not read that tweet properly. That, that's what it was. I had to look into it. Because I thought this is too bad, and then I read it. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, but by the same token, it's still not a terrible thing. It's just his opinion on something. Like, yeah, you know, people sort of saying, "Oh, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be getting this and that." Like, fuck me, man, blow blow over mm-hmm. though, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. Let's hope so. So, on the more fun notes, next week, WrestleMania 24, Undertaker versus Edge, Michaels versus Flair and his career-threatening match, um, mm-hmm. Cena, Triple H and Randy Orton in a triple threat, we've got a Money in the Bank match, we've got a Belfast brawl, Floyd Mayweather versus The Big Show, it'll be a roller coaster, eh? <laughs> nah, but I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, thanks thanks for joining us, um, hopefully this one's went okay and we can get it out in time. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think we'll announce what we're doing in place of WrestleMania next week at the start of the show. Yes, we shall. All right. Thanks very much, Stuart. Always a pleasure watching WrestleMania, (laughs) Mark, even when it's shit like this. (laughs) Cheers, buddy. Holler! If you hear me!